Welcome to C-Suite Radio. The Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by the Cheap Seat Entertainment Network. Holy heart Welcome to another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. Excellent! With your host, Brad Allen. Well, isn't that extra special? Recorded live at Bay Area Studios. Join Brett each week as he interviews celebrities, influencers, authors, high-level entrepreneurs, and much more. At the open mic, no topic is off limits. Giddy up. And you never know who may stop by. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. Happy Sunday to you. Welcome into another episode of the Open Mic Podcast. We have a fantastic show lined up for you today. I'm excited. I was actually not planning on releasing this episode until Tuesday, but I've gotten several people asking me about it. And our guest today is Sean Cannon. He is an American actor and TV host. He is best known for his portrayals of AJ Quartermain on General Hospital, Deacon Sharp on The Bold and the Beautiful and The Young and the Restless. And of course, most of you probably know him as Mike Barnes and the Karate Kid Part 3, Daniel LaRusso's nemesis. He played opposite of Ralph Macchio. And he also has a show on Amazon Prime called Studio City, which is a love letter to the entertainment industry and to the soap opera industry as well. And we talk about all of that and more. Sean is an absolutely fantastic gentleman and a scholar. And I am excited for you to definitely check out this conversation. Sean, welcome into the podcast. It's good to have you here today. Thanks, Brett. I really appreciate it. Well, I'm excited to chat with you. Sean is the creator and star of a fantastic television show on Amazon Prime called Studio City. It's streaming right now. We mentioned this in the intro, but I feel like it's important to bring it up again because a lot of us are still on lockdown and are binge watching television. And so if you haven't seen the show, you absolutely have to watch it. It's one of the best out there, I think. And really... If I understand correctly, this is a love letter to soap operas and really kind of art imitating life a little bit. Would that be a correct assumption? That's pretty accurate. Uh, it's a short form digital series. So the uh, there's six episodes in the first season that run between 10 and 15 minutes. So it's, it's very bingeable. Um, you know, I've spent decades off and on working in daytime television and you know they always say write what you know and so i've been working on creating studio city for quite a long time and through the right series of relationships and opportunity i was able to get it made um and you know it's a soap opera with it's a show within a show it's not it's not a show necessarily for soap opera fans but the lead character my character sam stevens is the star of a soap opera and you know, from the outside in, you think this guy's got the world by the tail. I mean, he's starring on a soap opera and he probably makes really good money and blah, blah, blah. But as you peel the onion away, you see that this guy deals with a lot of the same stuff that everybody deals with. He's got mommy issues. He's got, you know, an insane girlfriend. He's got issues at work, et cetera. And what we really wanted to do in, in the very short format that we had was deal with some really pertinent social issues. So we have a a great storyline that's uh, with an LGBTQ character. Uh, actually, the show made history because Scott Turner Schofield, who plays one of the characters, uh, is the first uh, trans man to ever be nominated for an Emmy on our show, which is really exciting. Um, we deal with ageism. You know, my character is no longer kind of the, the young buck on the show. He's getting older. His contract's up. They bring a new guy on to kind of nip his heels. Uh, there's a Me Too storyline. 
you know, we deal with uh, suicide. So there's, there's a lot of, a lot of stuff going on and we try and do it in a way where nobody's getting beaten over the head, where we make you laugh, we make you cry. And hopefully we, we always entertain you. Yeah, I would say that is very accurate. And you deal with some really heavy issues like the yeah. issue with transgenderism and, and the struggles that uh, those that community or or whatever you want to call it, the, the struggle that they have. And there are some scenes in this show that, man, really tug at your heartstrings and make you think your relationship with your father yeah. and that whole situation. And you have someone show up in your life that says they're your daughter and you're like, there's no way. And spoiler, spoiler alert. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Sorry. Well, <laughs> if you're listening, I apologize. Well, since, you, since you, since you, since you gave that away, um, I'll tell you that the actress who plays my, my daughter is my actual stepdaughter. It's my yes. wife, Michelle's daughter, uh, Juliet. And I couldn't be prouder of her. She just did a, a terrific job and it's really kind of the biggest role that she's had to date. And, you know, I, I told her, I said, listen, um, you know, this shows my baby and I'm not going to just give you this role. You have to earn it. And to her credit, she came into the studio and she sat down with me and the director and one of the other producers and, you know, she auditioned and, uh, and she got it. And I, I'm really proud of her. Yeah. And I've, the thing that I thought was interesting was that, you know, the, the chemistry that you two had in those shared scenes. And again, I apologize to my listeners for the spoiler alert. You got to watch the show. <laughs> I haven't. Okay. That's okay. Don't worry about it. No, if it had already like not come out yet <laughs> and you guys yeah. sent me a screener. Um, but, uh, you know, you'll love the show. There's a lot more to it than that's just one small. Well, that's a big piece yeah. to be honest. But, right. You know, the thing that I find so intriguing about these short stories is the fact that when you're watching it, this is just really, it's highly believable because I have spoken to other artists and um, as a side note, you know, casting your stepdaughter, that's great because I was talking to another actor yesterday who he, his son wanted to act and he was like, dad, can I get a part in your movie? And he told him, well, sure, but you have to audition just like everybody else. You know, it's that saying, right. you know, the coach's kid always has it the hardest, right? You know, there's no nepotism right. uh, with you, it sounds like, and definitely not with this other gentleman I was talking to yesterday. So I think that's good because it teaches them the value of hard work pays off because you've been in the industry now for a very long time, right? You've done a lot of films. We Most of us know you. I remember you yeah. from... The Karate Kid three Barnes, you know I, that <laughs> yeah. that that's to yeah. me is my frame of reference for you. But I mean, you've done a lot of other fantastic things. You have written a couple books, yeah. which is spectacular. Um, and you just you're a triple threat in my opinion. You've done a lot of different things. But I do want to ask you when your 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 daughter when she expressed, does she have other interest in acting going forward, or was this just an opportunity to work with dad and she got the experience? No, she 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 definitely. Now she wanted to do this. I mean, this is something she's very interested in. And, you know, I told her that there's a double-edged sword when you sort of are related to somebody who's in the production. I said, generally speaking, you know, you look at, you look at famous kids from famous actors and you have Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez, big successes, right? Um, Keeper Sutherland, big success. And then you look at other people like, you know, Chad McQueen, who was in Karate Kid 1 
And his dad obviously was, was the biggest actor in, in the you know, late 60s and 70s, Steve McQueen. And you know, Chad ultimately decided to do something else. So I think what it is is that you, you, you get a shot you know, when you've got someone you know in the business. But like you said, it, it's harder on the coach's kid because you really have to deliver. You got to work twice as hard so that people don't think that you know, it was just given to you. And I told Julie, I said, listen, you're, you're going to get thrown in with very seasoned professional actors, and they're not going to be interested in showing you quarter in the sense that, you know, actors are there to win the scene. And, and you know, in a, in a weird sense, acting is a bit competitive um, when you're in a scene. And to her credit, you know, she worked really, really hard. And yeah, there were certain things we had to teach her and tell her about, you know, finding your light and understanding the camera and different lenses, et cetera. But she, she had really, really great natural instincts. And I think ultimately she delivered a terrific performance. Yeah, yeah. In fact, again, just referencing my interview yesterday was with Mario Van Peebles and his son, Mandela, has shown interest in acting. And so he wanted to be in a film. And yeah. he, his dad didn't, it was kind of an interesting story just to the point of he didn't want to use his father's last name. So he just went in and auditioned just like anybody else, you know, and people listening that don't know, if you go show up to an audition, you know, there could be 25 people in the room that look exactly like you. And there might be one or two that are slightly odd from you and you just don't know. And so he told his son really similarly, the same, same things, you know, you've never acted before. So we need to make sure that you come to work on time, that you memorize your lines and don't, that's the worst thing you can do. Well, be late for one and two show up and not have your lines memorized. That could be a big problem, especially if you're trying to get things moving. So in any case, I digress. This is such a great show. Now I do have to ask, I would be remiss without doing it. You know, we talk about writing what you know and you know, art imitating life. How much of this character is you? Like what percentage? Because you've been in soap operas before. You've had huge roles on daytime television, which is a big thing. Right. What percentage of this or degree of this is you? Because I know a lot of times some actors, parts of characters belong to you as a person. And how much is just kind of acting choices that you've made and decided this is the direction that I want to take the character? You know, I would say that the character, the way that I play the character is very much who I am. I mean, some of the circumstances are different. There are circumstances that I haven't personally gone through, but you know, I wanted this show seed with me giving the most honest portrait of what I know it's like to be an actor in daytime. And for me to do that, there's no one better for me to play than myself. And, and if, if the show failed, I, I, I didn't want it to be because I was trying to give my approximation of something that I already knew. If that makes sense, it does. And um, you know, yeah. And I, I wanted to, I wanted to give my most honest portrayal of, you know, what it was like to be an actor in daytime from my experience. And to do that, I, I basically, you know, I'm I'm playing Sean. Um, I you know I created the part for myself. Um, it, I, it was always my intention for me to play this role, and um, you know, uh, hopefully people like the character. Um, you know, that was one of the concerns we had that, you know, it's, how, how do you get the audience to care about a guy that seemingly has the world by the tail? And, you know, you, you got to you got to slowly get them to understand that he's, he's got all sorts of human frailties and problems in his life. And 
you know, whatever sort of bravado he has really is a mask for a lot of, you know, some insecurity and some vulnerability like we all have. Yes. And the fact that you have issues that you're facing with, you know, there's obviously father issues there. Your mom, who is a momager, it seems like even from a distance, uh, you know, in this show, who still has some sort of control over you. Uh, when she shows up to your sure. autograph signing, which that was hilarious, by the way. I, I did not right. see that coming <laughs> where she just shows up and confronts right. you uh, in front of your co-stars. That has to be one of the most humiliating experiences I think anybody can experience in their <laughs> life. But you're this professional actor right. on, as the show says, right. the second most watched daytime soap opera, which, again, that was right. funny. Um, but I don't want to bury the headline because you've had some really big roles. Uh, you know, AJ Quartermain on General Hospital, uh, The Young and the Restless, uh, The Bold and the Beautiful, Deacon Sharp. So you've experienced this. Yeah. And I understand, and please correct me if I'm wrong, daytime television soap operas, those are one of the hardest types of jobs to have as an actor. Is that is that true as far as scheduling and when you're filming and, and it's all kind of almost in real yeah, time? It is. I mean, you know, you know, you're, you're doing a tremendous amount of dialogue in at a very, very quick pace. Uh, and so it's very intense, um, you know, because each of those shows is putting out a show a day so that when it's Christmas day and you turn the TV on, there's a show um, you're banking shows, which means that you're doing more than one show a day. You're doing one show a day, and probably parts of several others. And, you know, it, it's difficult to keep it straight. You got to learn a lot of dialogue um, and you got to be able to deliver very quickly. Um, and you don't get many takes. I mean, you, you generally get one or two takes because the pace dictates that. Wow. So it's definitely good to come to work prepared if you're a soap actor. Well, oh, as an it. actor, yeah. period. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I've, I've had the opportunity to work as background on some other television shows. I lived in Albuquerque, New Mexico for a really long time. So I know did, that those days can be very long. Did, um, you ever, did you ever work on a show? What was, the, what was the show about the doctors called? Night Shift. Um, you know, I did they not did work not on Night Shift, but I worked on In Plain Sight. I worked on okay. Crash. And I worked on... Breaking Bad. Those are the three that I had the opportunity oh, to wow, work cool. on. Yeah, so I did a lot of background for Breaking Bad, um, and that was a very interesting experience. That, that's a whole other conversation, but uh, in plain sight, right. you know, working in the strip club, you know, I all of that fun stuff. But the the thing is, is right. like that stuff takes all day. It could take hours to set up a oh, shot, yeah. and then once you get the Absolutely. shot set up, you have to come in. And be prepared. And I've seen it where, well, if you don't know your lines, you know, everything comes to a halt. Oh, of course. I was just going to tell you, you know, one of the things that's different about soap operas, they don't light the scenes in the same sense as they do with a show that's filmed like Breaking Bad. You know, you're in a studio that's got a grid of overhead lights that are all operated by different numbers. And so the lighting director will light each scene, but it's not like they're physically putting up lights like they are in a film and in film TV shows, they're, you know, it's all electronic and, you know, the lights descend and ascend uh, using a, a computer and things like that. So the lighting is not what takes a long time in daytime. It actually moves very quickly. And that's part of what allows us to move at such a quick pace okay. to get out so much show. Interesting. So there's less time 
framing and lighting and more of just kind of, you know, it's more like ready, yeah, set, act. And um, yeah, God forbid I mean, I mean, you're, you're the you're, one that holds things morning, up. Right. You know, you show up in the morning, you'll get your blocking so you know what your movement is during the scene. <clears throat> you'll rehearse it once and then generally you go and get makeup and you go to each other's dressing rooms and run your lines. You get called to stage when it's time for your scene. They will rehearse it one time and then they shoot. And generally, unless there's a problem with the camera or somebody makes, you know, an egregious error, um, it's on to the next. Yeah. Yeah. It's very interesting. So I want to switch topics a little bit because sure. of the fact that you've written two best selling books and you've done a lot of different things. When you're not acting, when you're not in doing that sort of thing, what drives you, Sean, as a creative? What keeps you motivated to create? What other outlets do you have? Yeah, I'm always I'm always doing something. It seems um, you know what most people don't realize is that even when you're a, a quote unquote successful actor, so much of your time is spent unemployed and looking for work. Um, and you know it's 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 psychologically very difficult. There's a lot of, you know, rejection and that sort of stuff involved in the business. I mean, unless you're kind of Brad Pitt or Leo DiCaprio or Tom Cruise, generally you're kind of like a guy looking to get hired. And if you're lucky to be on a series, well, then you have consistent employment. But if you're somebody that, you know, works for a while and then doesn't, you have a lot of downtime. And I, I don't like to be kind of at the beck and call of other people hiring me. It's one of the reasons I created Studio City. Um, you know, I, I, it's really difficult for me to have my destiny being determined by other people. Um, my dad, who was a businessman for years, uh, has written, I think seven or eight books now. So I was always raised around writing, uh, and, um, you know, and I, and I really enjoy writing. Um, so, you know, when I've had downtime, um, I'm usually working on some kind of a book project or looking to do a play doing stand-up comedy that's that's kind of what keeps me going yeah you do stand-up I guess, so I guess also, which is I great really honest I, I, I was gonna say if I, if I had to be really honest Brett you know I think everybody struggles to maintain relevance mm-hmm. and one one way to maintain relevance is to continue to you know create and to have that stuff that you create received and mm-hmm. you know considered by by other people and so for me, I'm, I'm always trying to, you know, to create, to stay relevant, to stay kind of in the mix. Yeah, it's a challenge, I think, for anybody in the creative sure. space. And I have I hear this so often. It's like you have this dream, you want to be an actor, you want to be famous, you want to make lots of money. But I've heard it described from other folks that I've had the privilege of chatting with, like yourself. It's like being born into the circus, you know, it's just this different... it's like this different lifestyle it's these different people it's almost like a subculture or subclass in the sense of in a positive way of just these people who come together who don't live normal lives like i do and they put together this art and you look at it stand-up comedy people make it look so effortless but people don't understand that there's so much that goes behind It's hard or acting, you know, turning the clock back a little bit further. You know, when you went to go audition for the Karate Kid 3, now I understand, I mean, that was a big audition process, but that really kind of pushed you to the front lines as far as people knowing who you are and and that sort of thing. So I I, want to ask you if there was any advice that you 
could give your younger self, young kid, fresh out of whatever, in Hollywood, wants to be an actor, mm. what would you tell yourself then that you know now that you would maybe do different? It's kind of an existential question, but I'm curious to hear kind of what, what you would tell your younger self. You know, I, I always try and be very honest when I do these, these interviews. Because I, fi I figure otherwise, why do them? I think what I would say to my, you know, I came out to Hollywood and I was a young kid. I had not, I'd taken like one acting class. I didn't really know anybody. I had a girl that I moved out here with who lived in, in Los Angeles and I, I got into UCLA, but I didn't really know anybody in the business and I, I made a lot of mistakes. And then when I got some notoriety and a little money, I made some more mistakes, but they were, you know, normal mistakes that if you're a young kid in your twenties in the eighties in Hollywood, you know, you're going to go yeah. want to taste life a little bit. And I guess if I had to be really honest, I wish I would have worked harder, um, in acting class. Um, I wish I would have kind of gone out less, but you know, something, um, I ultimately wound up doing what I had to do. I ultimately did wind up you know, paying my dues, studying an acting class, doing theater, doing all this stuff that it's taken me to get where I am. Um, you know, and uh, listen, I <laughs> I had a great time in the 80s, man. I mean, you know, uh, the, the late 80s and the 90s, you know, like the Sunset Strip. I mean, you know, I could go <laughs> anywhere, go into any club. Everybody knew me. It was usually because I was wearing the Cobra Kai gi at the time, but you know, <laughs> I, I, I had a real good time, man. That I, is I don't funny. Have a lot of regret. No, it doesn't yeah. sound like it. And that's great. That is a classic. I'm an actor. I want you to know who I am. And so you show up in your Cobra Kai gi. <laughs> that is awesome. It's funny. I've heard yeah. other stories of actors. You know, some of these guys like Jimmy Fallon. And Brett, 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 just to let you know, that was, that was a joke, Brett. I didn't actually show Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> no, I was, I was kidding. <laughs> that, well, I, it would be funny if it was true. Um, but uh, right. that, you are hilarious, man. You've got a great sense of humor. I like that. Thank you. Funny, funny, funny. Yeah, you know, this, this whole industry is just so different. And I think what you've done is great. If people haven't watched... Uh, Studio City, they absolutely have to. You've got two books, The Modern Gentleman, Cooking and Entertaining, uh, and also Success Factor X, uh, which became okay. an Amazon new release bestseller just after one week. Uh, and it, it's it also did. been named uh, one of the most uh, inspirational books in the last two decades by Book Authority. So, you know, that's yep. nothing to not look at. That's huge. Um, Thank you. Yeah, so you've got all this going on. We're kind of in the middle of quarantine as we wrap up here, and we're kind of moving out of quarantine. Right. Are we going to try and do another season of this? Kind of what's next for you, my oh, friend, absolutely. as far as... Ab ab absolutely. Uh, my goal is to take Studio City uh, and uh, take it to a 22-minute format um, and uh, probably 8 to 10 episodes the next season. Uh, we're really excited. It's been nominated for 12 Indie Series Awards which actually are tonight, 6 p.m. Uh, Pacific time, 9 p.m. Eastern time, and I am hosting them. So uh, Studio City is nominated for 12 awards, and we are also nominated for eight daytime Emmys, which is really exciting. Yes. And uh, the, show, uh, the show made history because one of our actors is a trans man, and he is the first trans man to ever be nominated for an Emmy. 
and he's on our show, and we are so proud of him. His name is Scott Turner Schofield. Yes. He is just an amazing, fearless, brave, terrific actor. Love this guy. Yes, and, and that's a fantastic recognition, and, and that's I feel like we need something more of in Hollywood and more of that to be recognized. Yeah. And love the show, my friend. I love you. You're fantastic. And I tell you just... Oh, thanks, Brett. Really you appreciate a, talking to you. You have a great body of work. Thanks for uh, joining me on the podcast today. I really appreciate it, Sean. That brings today's episode to an end. Thanks for choosing to stop by and listen. If you enjoyed the show, consider sharing it with a friend and hitting the subscribe button. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Is it all over, Rock? I guess so. Until next time, cheers. Today's episode of the Open Mic Podcast is brought to you by Cheap Seat Entertainment.